the reality of forgiveness and a future paradise with Christ forever. The good news of those truths don't only give us hope for tomorrow. It changes our experience in life today. Hanging in agony, we find the Son of God caring for and making provision for His earthly mother. The third cry rings out, Woman, behold your son. And speaking to John, behold your mother. In His darkest hour, we find Jesus ensuring that care would be given for those who were with him, particularly his mother, particularly John the disciple. Most likely a widow at this point, Jesus wants to ensure that his mother's needs are met. We watch this Savior serving others to his very last breath. And so the good news is that in Christ, because of the work on the cross, we are saved by the grace of God. And that then leads to a redefining and a mutual care of others that are united to Christ. Not by biology, but by shared faith. All who belong to Him would find not just eternal promise and hope, but earthly provision through those that belong to Him. Adopted by His grace individually, then put into this new family with others from every tribe and tongue and nation. And so as we hear this cry, let's see the depth of his love and the length that he goes to to make provisions for sin, but also for life on earth, even now. The hope of a new relationship with God, the promise of eternal paradise with him, and new relationships with one another that will help us get there. The fourth cry on the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This appears to be the most painful moment of his agony. The torment of his soul exceeds the experience of physical pain. For three hours, he has been hanging, fastened by spikes that are ripping at his flesh. He is slowly suffocating, writhing in pain, gasping for air. The only detail Mark gives us in his account is that darkness fell over the land. A supernatural confirmation that the Son of God is experiencing the judgment of God for the payment of sin. One commentator said this cry, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It has the fingernails on the chalkboard feel to it. This cry reveals the depths of the suffering. And the most painful aspect of his suffering is that the Son of God would be forsaken by God the Father. 
as the Son of God bears the weight of God's wrath for sin. This cry, this moment has been called the window into hell. The one who knew no sin was made to be sin. And being forsaken by the Father is cast into darkness. R.C. Sproul said to be forsaken by God is the ultimate penalty for sin. The pit of hell is the dwelling place of the utterly forsaken. To be forsaken is to be cast out into the inner darkness or the outer darkness to receive the bitter fury of the curse of God for sin. On the cross, the unblemished, sinless one becomes, in the sight of God, the most grotesque display of ugliness and filth imaginable. The Son of God is now polluted with the cumulative filth of the sins of his sheep. And the Father forsakes him. And the scream of Christ is the scream of the condemned. Jesus experienced hell for all who would trust in him. Bearing the wrath of God and the punishment sinners richly deserve for their sin. He experienced that wrath so that sinners who repent and believe might experience his grace. He was forsaken by the Father so that sinners might be Forgiven. He cried out so sinners might say and sing, Nothing shall separate me from the love of God. He drained the cup of wrath dry so that sinners might drink the cup of salvation. Because he experienced hell for us, heaven awaits all who turn from sin and place their faith in this suffering Savior alone. And that cry of anguish is followed by the fifth cry, I thirst. At first blush, this seems to be a mundane detail compared to the other cries. We're maybe left to wonder, is this some incidental narrative detail? This cry, I thirst, comes after the cry of abandonment. After having received the fury of the wrath of God. Jesus is still cognizant. He is still aware of his mission. He is still alert of his responsibilities. He perceives that the work is almost complete. And to the end, he has pursued this his entire ministry. He knows the end is imminent. And don't miss the significance of that participle, knowing. Knowing the end is coming. What this cry reveals to us is this is not a man who simply has been caught up in a series of unfortunate events. Lemony Snicket is not who is there. No, step by step, 
ancient promises and prophecies are being fulfilled. And Jesus saying, I thirst. He is still aware of the scriptures. Psalm 69 verse 21. The psalmist writes and says, These reproaches have broken my heart. I have no comfort. They gave me sour wine. Jesus' mind is soaked in Scripture to the point where under the wrath of God, He still is aware, I have a mission to complete. I am here, not as a man who got caught up being in the wrong place at the wrong time. No, I am here To accomplish something. It's something that the scriptures testified to. And so I thirst is not an incidental narrative detail. It's our suffering Savior close to expiring saying, I have come for this work. I have come to set sinners free. Jesus has had no fluids for 18 hours. He's lost much through sweat and blood. He isn't merely speaking out in pain. He is still our teacher on the cross. Prophecy is being fulfilled. Plans are being accomplished. And this one who would say, I thirst, he has fountains of living water for all who will come to him to drink. 